Amen. Well, good morning, great men and women of God. My name is Jonathan. I'm the executive pastor here at Pulpit Rock. I'm glad you're with us. This is going to be the last in the Follow Me series. We've been uh, spending the whole month just contemplating this, the, really the simplest of all Jesus' command, commands, but really in a lot of ways the most difficult. Follow me. Uh, we've used two charts to illustrate two different approaches to this. This is the bounded set chart. That's what we've been calling this. And uh, we call it that because it is defined in a lot of ways by this boundary. That These dots are people. And the question when you're pursuing this sort of life is who is inside the circle and who is outside of the circle? And so you want to define what does it mean? Uh, what do you have to believe? How do you have to act? What, is it, what counts? What gets you inside of that circle? And that is the focus, is the boundary, who's in and who's out. And you can recognize these people because they spend a lot of time talking about who is one of us and who isn't. Um, but there's this other way. And we think this is actually what Jesus was referring to when he said, follow me. This is what we call the centered set chart. And it's called that because the focus over there is on the boundary. The focus here is on the center, which of course is Jesus. And the, the dots are still people, but there's this acknowledgement that at any moment, any person, no matter how far they appear to be outside of the circle, their heart could turn towards Jesus. And they could begin following him. It would begin that very simple command. Um, and that, that is significant. So we believe this is the way that Jesus lived his life. If you're struggling with kind of the difference between these two charts or these two ways of thinking, maybe an illustration would help. Uh, great author, Deb Hirsch, who's actually going to be at our church coming up here in February in a few weeks. Uh, she, uh, she's Australian. She uses this illustration to dif differentiate between these two charts. Uh, she said there was this tourist who visited an Australian farmer. Um, and the tourist walked around the farm with the Australian guy, and uh, you know, it's Australia, so just enormous amounts of land. And after a while, the tourist started to be bothered by something, and so he finally asked the farmer, he says, hey, I've seen all your land, it's, an, it's enormous, beautiful land, but I have noticed you do not have one fence on your entire property. How do you keep the animals from wandering off? You know what the farmer said? He said, well, I don't build fences. He said it in an Australian accent, but I'm not going to try that. Um, just interpret in your heads. He said, I don't build fences. I dig wells. And it's the animal's innate thirst for water that keeps them from wandering too far. There are two approaches to the spiritual life. One is the approach of the fence builders. Let's just get everyone in. Let's build the fence really high. Let's make sure we know what makes you in and what makes you out. And let's build a fence. Then there's the way of Jesus. Jesus wasn't a fence builder. He was a well digger. In fact, he was the well. He was the living water. And I think his belief was, once you've tasted the water of his love and grace, you may wander, but you won't wander too far. And you'll keep coming back again and again to it. And Jesus never had to build a fence because the draw of grace was so strong. But you see the difference. This is a lot simpler. You know what you got. You know who's in. And I think that's probably why a lot of people choose it. This forces us to trust a God who knows the human heart um, and to follow him. I want to talk today about another reason why people choose the circle sort of world. Um, and this is a reason that, honestly, it's, it's kind of just an uncomfortable reality of following Jesus. Um, and it's the sort of thing that you really only have to worry about if you try to live out this command of follow me. 
Um, if you're in the circle world, you're going to be fine. Don't worry about it. You can tune out for the next half an hour. Um, but if you really want to follow Jesus, there's going to be this uncomfortable truth that you discover. And my hunch is you probably already know what it is. Here's what I would rather do. I'm going to talk about it like a sermon. But what I'd rather do is this. This is why the chair is here. What I'd rather do is pull up a chair across from you. I'd rather sit across from you where I can, I can look you in the eye. We can make some good eye contact. Give me some good eye contact. This is good. Okay. All right. That's good. We can make some good eye contact. We could ask questions. We could have a dialogue back and forth. I could hear some of your story. I could tell you some of my story. Because there's this reality when we follow Jesus that is uncomfortable for each of us, but we're all going to wrestle with it. And when we have those moments when we're wrestling with this uncomfortable reality, it's not like one more sermon is going to help. You know, what we really need is space to talk. What we really need is space to interact with somebody that we trust. And so I want to do this this morning. There's going to be a few moments um, where maybe you and I, we could just pretend it's just the two of us. Just ignore everyone else, and uh, we could just talk to each other and try to, try to, can you do that? Can you block out the world around you for a, a minute, okay, uh, when we talk? But first, let me, let me hit you with some scripture, okay? Um, this will set up what we want to talk about in the conversation that we need to have. There's this incredible scripture where Jesus sits down across from someone who is experiencing this uncomfortable moment, and he talks to this guy, uh, and, and it, it just kind of changes dramatically his life. It's in John 21. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there. Last week, Thomas was in John 20. This is, picks up where that story leaves off. John 21, verse 1 says, After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Now, before we get to it, after what? After this, the Bible says, after the story that Thomas read last week. If you remember the story you read last week, it was the disciples, and they were all together, and they were spending time together, but they'd done something fascinating. They had locked the door because they were afraid of the religious leaders that were around them. So they wanted to protect themselves from the outside world, so they locked the door. And into their midst, Jesus suddenly appears, and he says this revolutionary thing to them. He says, listen, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you out into the world. And the implication is kind of this gentle correction. Hey, guys, unlock the door. This isn't what I have for you, to lock yourself behind walls. I want you to go out. After this, after that moment, here's what happens. Verse 2. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out, got into a boat, but that night they caught nothing. Now it's notable here. Jesus says, just as the Father sent me, I'm sending you out. And Peter's response after that was, yeah, I'm going fishing. Um, yeah, I don't want to. I'm going to go fishing instead. Um, this is a moment where Peter is opting out of what Jesus says. And it's a fascinating moment. You know this from Peter's life. He was not like a recreational fisherman. This was not a hobby this was actually his career. And then Jesus shows up. And remember, Jesus says, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And Peter drops everything that he's doing. And he stops fishing. And he begins following Jesus for three years. 
And then Jesus dies and he he's, uh, raises from the dead. And then he has this moment where he says to Peter and the other disciples, listen, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you out too. And Peter's like, yeah, I, I don't really want to. I'm going to go back to the career that I used to have. I'm going to go back to what I was doing before Jesus showed up and screwed up my life. You know, really what's happened to Peter um, is he's walking along, he's following Jesus, he's doing the centered set model, he's not caught up in that, he's trying to really follow Jesus, but a series of circumstances happens to him, and it's as if he just kind of hits a wall, and in that moment, it's not, the wall, it's not that he doesn't believe in Jesus, I mean, Jesus was there, he saw him, he still believes in Jesus, he's just like, I don't, I don't really want to follow him anymore, I mean, that's great, he's sending us out, but I don't want to I'm going to go fishing. Who's with me? And he hits this wall, and he sits down, and he stops following Jesus. Now, what I wish I could do is sit with you and just talk about this wall. Talk about these moments that we get stuck. I would love to ask you this question. Tell me about the time in your life when you thought, I wish I'd never followed Jesus. Or tell me about the time in your life when following Jesus, you were like, man, I don't want to go wherever it is he's going. I just want to go back to what I was doing, what was most familiar to me. Tell me about the time in your life when you hit the wall. Because that happens to all of us. And I would love, love to hear each of your stories. I'd love to share with you some of my stories of hitting the wall. Um, I probably, this is probably the first story I tell you. It's just you and I. I don't repeat these stories to other people. But... Um, I'll probably tell you about the time in college that uh, I, it was one of those moments where I was like doing everything you're supposed to do spiritually. Uh, you know, I was uh, following Jesus, praying, quiet time, sharing my faith, all this sort of stuff. It just was not working for me. I just was miserable and discouraged, and I was depressed, and I was frustrated. Um, and I, I, I had this moment where I'm like, I, maybe I'll just chuck it. Maybe I just, I, I don't want to follow Jesus anymore. I don't even want to be a Christian. Maybe I'll just walk away from this whole thing. There was this moment where it, it was late at night, and I was just in this moment of the crisis of faith, and I decided I was going to go for a walk, and I was walking around the college campus that I was at um, late at night, and I, I kind of did, I don't know if you've ever done this prayer with God, where I was like, God, I'm done unless, unless you speak to me in some way. I, like, I, I just, I'm done. So, God, speak to me tonight if you want me to keep following you. And then, you know, I didn't want to be too bossy, so I'm like, I'll wait, so take your time. But tonight, <laughs> do you want to know what happened that night? Nothing. Nothing. I walked around for a couple hours. I got cold. I went back to my room, went to sleep. And I just hit a wall. I was ready to be done. That's a pretty safe story, Right? I mean, that's years ago. You may not tell by looking at me. College was years ago <laughs> for me. But, um, hey, it's just, it's just the two of us. So I'll tell you the unsafe story. I'll tell you about this. I'll tell you about these last four months of my life. That I've, man, I've, I've hit a wall. And I don't totally know what it's about, but I'll, I will explain it to you this way. The prayer that I've prayed more in the last four months than any other prayer is just, God, where are you? God, where are you? 
And I can't tell you how many experiences, moments that I've had where I'm like, hey, God, this would be a perfect moment to show up. And he just hasn't in any way that I've recognized. I keep praying this prayer, God, where are you? And that's uncomfortable to pray when a part of your job is to tell people, God is there, trust him. It's going to hit a wall. And since it's just the two of us, I would love to just say this to you honestly. We all encounter moments where we hit the wall, where following Jesus doesn't make sense, where the stuff that was working for us, it stops working for us. And if you want to live in the circle world, the nice thing about it is you'll never have to worry about that. It's never going to happen to you. But if you take this seriously, follow me, you're going to have a moment where you want to go fishing and leave it all behind. And why does that happen to us? Let me explain maybe just a few things throw at you here. I think there's probably three reasons or three categories of reasons. It's all really different, and that's why we needed that conversation, but we're not going to have it right now. Um, because we hit the wall for a lot of different reasons. It has to do with our journey, who we are, how we're wired, all that sort of stuff. But I would say there's probably three categories that contribute to these moments. The first one is our failures. We have moments where a crisis of faith hit the wall spiritually because of our failures sometimes. Sometimes it is our weaknesses. It's that sin that we've been struggling with, struggling with, praying to God, God, please deliver me from this, looking for help, trying to find help, still struggling with it. You just want to throw it, cash it in, give up. It's, it's also those moments, maybe it's a mistake that we've made, something we did in anger, some uh, area of our life we've been trying to make work and we just can't make it work. And we have failures and we kind of come to the end of ourselves and we're like, I, I might just be done with this whole Jesus thing. That's not the only reason though, here's a second. It's other people's failures. This is particularly painful for us when someone who should care for us hurts us. And I know some of you people, I know myself, some of us are carrying around enormous hurts from God's people, from the church. And it just like sticks to you. And if you're going to follow Jesus, I promise you, you're going to have this moment where you say to Jesus, Jesus, you're okay, but I am so sick of your people. You might just say, hey, I want to be done. I'll just give up. I think this is the biggest one though. Sometimes it's God's failures. And you'll note, I put failures in quotes. I'm not insinuating that God actually fails us. But man, does it feel that way. There are all these moments where we expected one thing from God. We expected if we did this, then this would happen, and it would work out in this way, and God would show up, and we get the opposite. And in those moments, I think it's the most natural thing in the world to just feel like, ah, oh, was, was I a fool to trust God? Was, you know, is this whole thing just some fairy tale that we tell ourselves to feel better about death? If you follow Jesus, you're going to have that moment where you struggle with that feeling. Well, what do you think was going on in Peter's life when you look at this list? Um, Peter's going fishing. We know that part of it obviously was related to his own personal failures. He had some feelings of inadequacy because just a few days before this, in Jesus, you know, the moment that he needed him the most, Peter denies even knowing him. And there's that moment where Jesus gives him that eye contact like that he knows that he knows. And um, so you can imagine just him being around Jesus. There's a lot of feelings of inadequacy. He'd seen him twice. This is going to be the third time that he sees him. 
So part of it is the wall that he is related to his own failures. Part of it, though, is other people's failures. This isn't exactly in the text, but we can, uh, we can guess at this. There was a lot of people who abandoned Jesus in the end. And Peter didn't want to. And I mean, he did deny him. But you, there's only eight people in that boat. And part, probably part of the reason for that, um, my math may not be correct. Check the math on that. There's a few people in the boat. Not everybody, because I bet Peter was pretty frustrated at how many people walked away from Jesus. But most of all, I think Peter probably was frustrated at God. You'll uh, remember earlier in, in the book, Peter went on record a few times saying, Jesus, this whole you dying thing, that's a bad idea. Stop talking that way. And Jesus would say, be quiet, Peter. And Peter would say, no, it's really a bad idea. Don't die. God didn't listen to him. God did what God wanted to do. And Jesus died. And he rose from the dead. And I promise you, Peter, in this moment, was wrestling with the very uh, just trust issues of, do I really want to trust this God? Do I really want to stay in this thing for the rest of my life? Now, if it was just the two of us, um, I'd love to just say to you, listen, there's no shame in the wall. We all hit it. In those moments when we, uh, we don't know how to go forward, we're not even sure we want to. Those moments where the stuff that was working for us spiritually, we used to get a lot out of it. Now we're getting nothing out of it and we don't feel close to God. We're not even sure we should trust him. Those happen to all of us. What I love about this story is uh, you get to see God himself in the person of Jesus interact with somebody who's sitting at the wall ready to give up, ready to go back to what he was doing. But before we get to that, I, I want to just pause, and I want to give you a little bit of time to reflect. What I'd love to do is ask you some of these questions that we're going to put on the board. But I can't ask you that, or I can't listen to your answer. I can ask you. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you to just, in your heads, not out loud, think about these. And we're going to take a couple of minutes just to reflect. I'd love to know your story of the wall. I'd love to listen to that. But you know what? So would God. So maybe just a, a moment here in your heart, just with you and him. Just interact over these questions and think about those wall moments in your life. Let's go to him.
know, there, there's something about this simple command, follow me, that I, I promise you, it will bring you to the end of yourself. Uh, that living out this chart over here, it, Jesus will lead you to places that will wither the human heart. You don't have to figure out what to do in those moments. A lot of times we just talk about the, like the positive at church with our church friends. I think part of the message is that we need these sorts of conversations. I want to show you how Jesus interacts with Peter. Uh, let's keep reading in this passage. Peter's out on the boat after a night of bad fishing. They caught nothing. Um, and he looks in the morning when it's light out. He sees this guy standing on the shore. And that guy yells at him and he says, hey, how's the fishing? Peter says, it's bad. We caught nothing. And he says, well, put your nets on the other side, on the right side of the boat. So they do that, and sure enough, they catch this enormous amount of fish. And Peter's no fool. Jesus has done this to him before, and he's like, it's Jesus. So something about this moment, he grabs his coat, and he jumps in the water, and he swims to shore. And as he walks up on the beach, he discovers that Jesus ha he has this fire, and he's actually made him breakfast. And that's where I want to pick up the story, verse 15. It says, when they'd finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. Second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said that to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. And he went on to say, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hand and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. There's that command again. It's, it, it was the first thing that Jesus ever said to Peter, follow me. And really, it's kind of the last thing that he ever says to, to Peter, follow me. He doesn't say, hey, be a Christian, get inside the circle. He says, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you can follow me, follow me. Let me make three observations about this moment and the way that God wants to interact with our hearts when we hit the wall, and then I'll close. The first observation is simply this. Hitting the wall is not inherently a bad place to be. It's just uncomfortable. It's not bad. It's uncomfortable, but it's not bad. Now, we can hit the wall, and we can make it bad by the way that we respond, but I promise you this. Just like with Peter, those moments when we hit the wall can be the most formative and significant moments in our spiritual life. If we were to track down Peter much later in his life before he died and say, hey, Peter, man, you walked with Jesus. Tell me about that. What were like the top three moments that you ever had with Jesus? You know that this beach was on that list. This was a moment that like it propelled Peter into the second half of his life, into who he was to be. It, it, it marked him. It changed the trajectory of his life. And, and I guess, it, listen, if you're sitting here today and you're, you're like, well, I'm kind of at the wall myself, 
You're feeling demoralized by some personal failure or you're just so sick of God's people and you want to just chuck it all because of the hurts that have been done to you. Or maybe you're disappointed. You feel betrayed by God because he didn't do something that you thought he was going to do. I just want to say to you, listen, you're not in a bad spot. I know how uncomfortable it is. I know how hard these moments are, but they're not inherently bad. And in fact, this moment may just be the most significant moment that propels you into what God has for you in your life. Don't give up. He's present. He's there, just like he was with Peter. I know how uncomfortable it is, but what I'd love to say to you is, listen, there's no shame in the wall. It feels shameful to be stuck, but there's no shame in the wall that those moments are holy moments. And actually, what they are is they're evidence that we're actually trying to follow Jesus. Because if you're living in this world over here, you're never going to experience the wall. But if you try to step out and say, God, I'm going to follow whatever it is you have for me, you will have those moments where you come to the end of yourselves. And if you're feeling one of those right now, let me just tell you, it's evidence that you're following him. Don't give up. It's not bad. It's just uncomfortable. Here's a second observation. When we hit a spiritual wall, Jesus wants to reconnect us to his mission. Notice what he says to Peter. He says, feed my lambs, tend my sheep. He says, listen, there's people out there and they need love, they need encouragement, they need shepherding. Peter, you need to step into that stuff. And it's fascinating to me that he doesn't say what I would expect him to say. He doesn't try to connect him to like spiritual disciplines, right? He doesn't say, Peter, you know, you really need to get into the word more. He doesn't say, well, Peter, you know, you're, you're out there fishing. You're totally stuck. It's because you haven't been praying, have you? How much are you giving to the church, Peter? Maybe that's why God's not blessing you. He doesn't say any of that sort of stuff. It's also fascinating to me that he doesn't even really answer any questions that Peter might have. This moment, you, you got to think Peter was made of questions. Jesus doesn't go there. He doesn't really step into all that stuff and answer all of his questions. Instead, all he says to him is, hey, Peter, there's people out there for you to love. I need you to love them. You can't fish your life away. I need you to get back in the game and love some of these people. I know you know this, but I want to say it anyway. When Jesus left, he didn't leave behind a monastic community. You know what that is? It's like, uh, like the monks of old. He didn't leave behind a community that was focused on devotion and knowledge of God. What he left behind was a missional community that was focused on action. It was focused on love. It was focused on bringing justice and grace and mercy to the world. And when Peter has this moment where he hits the wall and he's demoralized by failure and upset with other people and frustrated with God, Jesus doesn't connect him to devotion. He connects him to action. He connects him to loving other people in mission. Now, I don't know. I mean, this is just a description of what happened. I don't know that we can generalize this to every person when they hit the wall. But it is worth considering that if you've hit the wall, maybe the way forward is not through devotion and self-discipline and all that sort of stuff. But maybe the way forward is by getting involved, bringing God's justice, grace, and mercy to this world. Remember what uh, Thomas said two weeks ago that uh, mission is a catalyst for spiritual growth. It unlocks something in us to join God's mission. We find our life as we give it away is something that we've always said. And I, you know, I don't know if that's the answer if you're at the wall, but it at least is something that we should consider here. Jesus wants to connect us to mission. Here's a last observation. Jesus reminds us that pain is a part of this thing. 
is that weird verse right at the end where he tells Peter, hey, there's coming this day where you're going to be following me, and because you're following me, you're going to be let off and executed. Um, and it's weird that he throws that in, but I think this is the reason why. I think he's trying to correct this mistaken assumption that we have. And it really, it is the assumption of the circle world over here, the bounded set. And the assumption is this, that there is this group of people that like it's God's chosen people. And God is going to look out for these folks. He's going to protect them. He's going to bless them. He's going to make sure that they're safe. He's going to treat them with extra special favor because he really cares about the people inside of the circle. That's in the bounded set. But in this chart over here, who are the people that God cares about? All of them, right? No matter where they are. No matter how far from him they are, no matter what they're doing in their lives or how they behave, he cares about them and he's working to turn their hearts towards him. And so on this chart, for everyone on this chart, pain and blessing is a part of their life. And on this chart, the question is this, how do I get inside the circle and stay inside the circle? Because inside the circle, it's safe for the whole family. Inside the circle, I'm going to be blessed in ways that maybe I wouldn't if I was an outsider. That's not the question over here. The question over here is, what does it look like to follow Jesus? In pain, in prosperity, what does follow me look like? And I think Jesus tells Peter this, uh, the end of his life, this prophecy that he's going to be executed for following Jesus, because I think he just wanted him to realize, listen, Peter, what I've said to you is follow me. I didn't promise safety. I promised my presence. And so what I've said to you is follow me. And that means follow me in this moment on the beach. That means follow me in that moment when you're being led off to, execu to be executed. That means follow me in all the ups, of ups and downs in between. Follow me. That is the focus. Not working the system so that we can somehow experience an extra amount of blessing and safety in our life. Jesus promises not a freedom from pain but it's the presence of God in our life. Jesus says, follow me to Peter. And what I wish, um, if it was just the two of us sitting here, uh, what I wish I could do is just sit across from you and just say, hey, talk to me about this. Have you experienced this in your life? Have you experienced those moments where you were at the end of yourself and you're like, I'm done, I want to chuck it all, but you kept going. Tell me about that. And I'd tell you about some of mine. I, I would tell you for sure, if it's just the two of us, about that moment in college where I almost walked away from the faith because of the silence of that night. But I would also tell you about the next year of my life um, and just how, like, in a very systematic but gentle way, God stripped away the faith of my childhood and kind of the, this borrowed faith and replaced it with something much more real and sturdy and lasting. He didn't show up when I wanted him to, but he did something in that moment at the wall. I, I tell you about this. I tell you about this moment where I, I have this prayer where I just again and again, I'm saying, God, where are you in these last four months? And I don't know, I'm not totally resolved with that. I don't have it all figured out. But I will tell you this. God is convincing me in ways that he never has before that his presence is in his people when they show up with justice and mercy and grace. 
And I, I have this new confidence in just the reality that God's presence is in his people and that that's the way he designed it to be on this earth. And I don't know, I don't know what all that's going to come to in my life, but I know that he's there and I know that he's present. And I would love to sit across from you and just ask, tell me about your moments. You know, when we hit the wall, we don't need a fence, right? We don't need boundaries to make sure we don't mess anything up. What we need is conversations with people who will renew our thirst for Jesus, will renew our thirst for grace and for love. I'd love to, I'd love to talk with each of you, and I'll, I will probably talk with some of you, but I can't do that with all of you. But here's the thing, someone can. And maybe part of the message this morning that we just see with Jesus and Peter is that those conversations need to be normal and that we could be a place we're talking about those moments where we, uh, we have doubts and we want to chuck it all and we want to walk away it is commonplace, not exceptional. If you're at the wall this morning, do me a favor. You've been giving me great eye contact. It's wonderful. I love it. Um, but look around at the people around you. Give them some eye contact. Just seriously, turn, look. look make a little eye contact there. That's good. Awesome. I like it. Um, all these people you're looking at, hear me, if you're at the wall, all these people you're looking at, they have hit the wall spiritually, and they're still here. Jesus is still in their lives. They're still stumbling forward, um, and maybe more than anything else, what we need is not another sermon, but is that conversation where we can talk about those moments. Um, I know how uncomfortable it is, but it's not bad. Lean into mission in these moments. Don't be surprised by your pain. There's incredible purpose in it. And realize Jesus is there. Follow him. That brings us to these tables. Um, you know, Jesus, it's interesting, as we often notice around here, uses food uh, in a very strategic way. And Peter comes up on the beach, and he has set this table for him to have this encounter where they can talk about this moment that's really hard. Um, and it's fascinating to me that our Savior, when we struggle, he doesn't build a fence to make sure we don't wander off. He sets a table so that we'll always wander back to him. And that's what this table represents. For those who follow Jesus, the, the bread is the, it represents the body of Christ that was broken for us. And the, the juice represents the blood of Christ spilled out for our sins so that we never again have to fear the anger of God in our lives so that we always can wander back without wondering how we will be received. We want to celebrate this today, and uh, the band's going to come up and be playing while we come forward and just enjoy the elements of communion together. There's no pressure. We just kind of do it free form here. So as you feel led, come forward and partake in this with us. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we are thankful for your life and for your grace. We're thankful for how you sit with us when we've come to the end of ourselves, when our heart is struggling. And we're thankful most of all that in those moments you offer us yourself, your broken body, your spilt blood, your unending love. Lord, renew our thirst today. We wander all the time. 
draw us back to that well of living water in you. Renew our thirst, Lord.